I can't believe you two took that raving lunatic seriously. What do you think this is? This is, this is, this is. I was at the trial most days with my mother. It hurt us to see it all. I felt awful for him, his brother and his mother. No one who loves someone should have to feel the kind of pain. Who the hell waits two plus years to come forward? He was probably thinking of a good story to cover his own ass and it took that long. The only reason the cops were able to solve the case was because of the information they got from Brown. I wouldn't be patting myself on the back if I were that prosecutor. Brown was a drug dealer himself. He wasn't some golden boy who sang in the church choir. If Brown was completely innocent he would have said, What the hell are you doing? Stop. I saw Billy Brown shortly after John's guilty verdict. Billy was at his lawyer's office. He took his current girlfriend and kept her hostage and tortured her. This is the only witness to the truth. My hairs on my skin rose Don't up. believe that Bill Brown. It's bullshit. Not only did he tell half of that story, he snitched on all of the drug connects. That is the only way he got a year. He took down some serious people. And one of them was her childhood friend. Wow, we all have different views about friendship, I suppose. Why do I get the nauseating feeling that Bill Brown told a conveniently redacted version of event portraying himself as a mere bystander who stands by and watches one friend strangle another without stepping in to stop it. Under constant police pressure, he changed his story then. <laughs> He respect us. Look, he's trying to tell us. You see it in his face. There is absolutely no doubt of your power to destroy. You're a very, very sick man. I saw it. There is absolutely no doubt. Just like he said, or this would be an unsolved case on TV shows. Then comes the final deal to condemn any innocent person. What do you think of this? I saw it. I saw it. There is absolutely no doubt. Are you ready to accept my domination? From that show, Bill Brown said nobody will know anything unless someone talks. Only person on this video snitching with him and then the storyteller of this said we had to be sure Bill Brown was telling the truth. There is a big part of this story they not telling you. Like the FBI was watching all of them because of this and in the end, Bill Brown lied to the federal government to gain his freedom. I went to a John's webpage and he got police statements and from what I read Billy claims he did it he told that undercover cop. Rose gave him AIDS. If you are from Lansing, look at John Ortiz Kehoe webpay and see who all was telling in Lansing to save their own ass. It's all in legal transcript. The real story is in the police report. And uh, that he cared about people. He cared about, uh, you know, his grandpa and why, why they didn't report that she'd OD'd beyond me. But, you know, I guess when you're young, you just don't think. We've been very fine the defendant, John Ortiz Kehoe. Don't see a person being Hello, this is a prepaid debit call from John T. 
An inmate at the Michigan Department of Corrections, Muskegon Correctional Facility. From a 7 by 10 foot cell of a Michigan prison, I am John Ortiz Kehoe, and welcome to Creating a Cannibal. Creating a Cannibal is a podcast dedicated to exposing the truth behind the wrongful convictions that left me labeled as a monster and sent me to die in prison. Now, for the first time, you are about to hear the true story of what happened inside and outside of the courtroom. I'll reveal the names of witnesses who took the stand and tell you what they said. You'll find out who was actually involved and learn about the role they played in framing me for a crime I didn't commit. For 20 years, I was silenced by the concrete walls and razor wire that surrounds me. And for 20 years, the media ran with a one-sided version of this case, a version that is full of distorted evidence and outright lies. They gave you sensational headlines, but me, I'm giving you the truth. Every con man knows that when you're going for the long con, older the lie, the better. Because the more outrageous the lie is, the more drawn into it a person gets. Most people, they'll get so caught up in a fantastic story, they'll forget to pay attention to the details, and they'll never see how they're being spun. Common sense flies right out the window, and the con man has you wrapped around his finger. This is Creating a Cannibal, Episode 5. A dark turn. Bill Brown was still on the stand, and the prosecution's star witness continued his testimony of what he was claiming occurred on the night of Ms. Larner's death. Brown admitted that he watched John and Ms. Larner have sex while he masturbated. And even though Ms. Larner rebuffed his earlier advances, Bill Brown maintained that once the trio arrived at the house in Albion, Ms. Larner was finally willing to have sex with him as well. However, Brown insisted that, he was unable to perform. After having hours of drug-fueled sex, John and Ms. Larner eventually wanted to shower together. Despite Brown insisting that he did not have sex with Ms. Larner because he was unable to achieve an erection, Bill Brown said he also needed to clean himself up. Brown stated that he decided to join Ms. Larner and John, in the shower. Bill Brown said, that was when John left the bathroom, and returned with a knife. Brown told the jury, that John tried to hand him the knife but he refused to take it, so John placed the knife on a ledge inside of the shower. When they finished showering, Bill Brown said, Ms. Larner was standing in the bathroom, combing her hair when John approached her with a black electrical cord and slid it over her head. Brown testified, that Ms. Larner moved the cord to her neck without exhibiting any fear. According to Bill Brown, John then tightened the cord until Ms. Larner dropped to the floor, unconscious. Bill Brown then lost track of his own story, and said John once again left the bathroom, to retrieve the knife, and used it to cut Ms. Larner's throat. This was the same account of John leaving the bathroom, that Brown described as happening moments earlier in his story, and the same knife that was supposedly, placed on a ledge, in the shower. 
When Assistant Prosecutor Kelsey asked Brown how the knife got moved from the ledge in the shower, Bill Brown said he didn't know. Bill Brown suddenly began giving strange new testimony of things he had never mentioned before, in any of his previous statements. He claimed, that John ran a garden hose from outside of the house into the bathroom, and used it to wash the blood from Ms. Larner's body. However, Brown's story took place in Michigan, in December, and the house was winterized before John's grandparents left for Arizona. There was no hose, or running water outside of the house. Bill Brown also claimed, that John wanted to place Ms. Larner's body on railroad tracks, located near the house. Yet, John would have known, that there are no railroad tracks located anywhere near his grandparents' home. Bill Brown said, he then learned that the Myers bag contained items for disposing of Ms. Larner's body, such as lighter fluid, garbage bags, a hatchet, and the knife. Brown said, he told John that his plan had too many flaws and he had a safer plan. Bill Brown told the jury he wanted to save his own life, and he made a decision at that point, to help cover up the killing. Bill Brown said, the two men spent the next several hours consuming cocaine, while John dismembered Ms. Larner's body, with the hatchet he purchased earlier that night. According to Brown, John was stepping in and out of the shower, as he chopped off Ms. Larner's head, hands, and feet. Assistant Prosecutor Kelsey showed the jury, a picture of the bathroom and shower, that Brown was describing. It was a stand-up shower, with no bathtub and two sliding glass doors. Brown said one of the doors was open, while Ms. Larner's lifeless body laid halfway in, and halfway out of the shower. Brown told the jury that John was covered in blood, bone, and flesh. Stuff was everywhere. Bill Brown said. But when crime scene investigators searched the bathroom, and its drainage system for evidence to support Bill Brown's allegations, no blood, bone, or hair was located in the shower area, where Brown claimed the crime occurred. Not a single speck of trace evidence corroborating Bill Brown's testimony could be found inside of the shower, or the bathroom. Bill Brown claimed, that John burned Ms. Larner's head, hands, and feet, in the home's basement fireplace. Crime scene investigators thoroughly examined the fireplace, searching for evidence to support Bill Brown's story. Once again, they were unable to find anything. The prosecution presented evidence from a droplet of blood, matching Ms. Larner's DNA, located near a telephone on a hallway wall. Bill Brown testified that he, John and Ms. Larner had all been snorting cocaine for many hours straight and they had also made a few phone calls, but Brown had no explanation for why a droplet of blood was found outside of the bathroom. In a recorded interview with the prosecutor, Bill Brown gave a description of the Myers hatchet. He told the prosecutor, it had a red head with a black handle. However, it was discovered after John's trial was over, that assistant prosecutor Kelsey was in possession of two police reports, proving that Myers did not sell a hatchet matching Bill Brown's description. Neither of those police reports were given to the defense, prior to John's trial. From the day Bill Brown came forward, and agreed to cooperate, he had given many statements to the police and testified at two previous court proceedings. Each time Brown told his story, he gave a different account of what happened to Ms. Larner. In one version of Bill Brown's story, 
he described how John strangled Ms. Larner, with his knee on her back. In another version of his story, Bill Brown said, John was looking into Ms. Larner's eyes, while he choked her. When he made his initial confession, Brown said he never saw John dismember Ms. Larner's body. During John's pre-trial hearing, Brown said he watched John chop off a hand or a foot. And now, at John's trial, Brown was claiming that he witnessed everything. After frightening the jury with his grisly tale of how Ms. Larner was killed, Bill Brown went on to describe how both men meticulously cleaned the house. Ms. Larner's body was placed inside of a plastic barrel, which was then loaded into the back seat of a car, parked in the garage. Bill Brown stated that he could not remember the exact time, but at some point, the men were visited by John's cousin Samuel, and Samuel's girlfriend, Tamara. Bill Brown said, that John had called Samuel and invited him to stop by his grandparents' house. According to Brown, Samuel was studying to be a police officer, and John asked him about his knowledge of blood evidence. Soon after Samuel and Tamara left the house, Brown said, he and John gathered Ms. Larner's personal items, along with an axe, shovels, and two gas cans, and the two men then drove to a secluded plot of lakeside property, located in northern Michigan. Brown said, he chose the spot in northern Michigan, because the property belonged to his parents, and it would not be out of the ordinary to build a fire there. With the details of Ms. Larner's death revealed, the worst of Bill Brown's shocking accusations seemed to be over. But as the narrative moved from the house in Albion, to a secluded parcel of lakeside property, Bill Brown's testimony was about to become, a horrific campfire story. When Bill Brown took the stand that day, I knew where his story was headed. I just wondered what new twist he put on it. I had read his initial confession and his grand jury transcript. I also watched him testify at my preliminary examination. His story evolved each time he told it. During my trial, he didn't disappoint. Bill Brown once again started freestyling. How could the jury not know he was lying? And the prosecutor was backing this guy like he actually believed him. When it was just a year ago, the Ingham County prosecutor Don Martin was offering me the same deal he ended up giving Bill Brown, so they couldn't have believed him. But his demented story wasn't over, and he would soon implicate everyone except himself. Next time, in episode 6, A Campfire Story. He only helped John Ortiz Kehoe cover up the crime because he was afraid that John would kill him too. Bill Brown said he wanted to cremate Ms. Larner's entire body. Brown said he diligently poured gasoline onto the fire while he watched Ms. Larner's body burn until only the ashes remained. Thank you for listening to Creating a Cannibal and Amaron Production. Make sure you follow me on social media and check out my blog for more in-depth on how I was framed. Creating a Cannibal is a podcast produced under Amaron Productions. Gerardo G. Gonzalez Jr., Robert D. Tav and Lucas Sampson are editorial advisors, Emerald Santos our executive producer and the one who mixed our show. Our theme music are I Can See It, composed by Dark Sun and Dubs Up, composed by Ari De Niro. Our website is creatingacannibal.wordpress.com. Special thanks to Mr. John Ortiz Kehoe for sharing his side of story. Also visit John's blog website where you can see documents from the case, johnortiz-kehoe.blogspot.com. Thank <laughs> you.